And welcome. And welcome to another episode of More Than Therapy. Today, we're interviewing Ashley Gilmore. She helps families and couples and individuals navigate the stages of their life by providing necessary coping skills for their emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. She provides marital therapy, family therapy, in individual therapy. And you can find out more about her at www.gilmorecounseling.com. G-I-L-M-O-R-E counseling.com. Hey, Ashley, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm great. <laughs> so what was it like growing up in Mumfuck Egypt? Yes, uh, East Chicago, Indiana, right? Um, you know, it wasn't bad. What it was, was, um, it was foundational. Mm-hmm. And I love where I'm from. I love my home. I love my hood. I'm from, a, even in, in this small city, I'm from this little small neighborhood called New Edition. We had like maybe 50 houses in the entire neighborhood. Um, you know, like growing up, everybody knew everybody. They knew your business before you, you knew your business. Um, I went to church in my neighborhood, you know, so like I'm, I love where I'm from. East Chicago will always hold a special place in my in my heart. And it's just a place, um, it's of course changed over the last, I mean, I've been gone since I was 18. So um, almost the last 20 years it's changed of course. Um, but it's still a place that like you go home and you immediately get nostalgic and you just remember the food and you know now like back in the day we always went to school so the snow that we get here is nothing compared to where I'm from so like you know when they be like oh we're not going to school because of this much snow I'm like oh okay well yeah <laughs> nothing so now you sound like your grandparents. I walked to school at six feet of snow. Your daughter's looking at you like you crazy. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like somebody old auntie. You're like, we still go to school. This ain't nothing. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. How did, you know, you had a sound like you had a very nice upbringing. How did that experience you and shape you to want to become a therapist, a counselor? It didn't. Um, <laughs> so it wasn't until I went to college. Um, and so my husband and I have been together for 20 years. Um, he was my high school, he is my high school sweetheart. And we went to counseling um, when we were deciding if we were going to get married or not. And so that is what prompted me into like, this is the field that you should be in. I feel like the way that that therapist healed our marriage and saved our marriage, I went to do that for other couples. Growing up, you know, in the black community, like therapy is not a thing. Like you take your stuff, you sweep it under the rug, you pray about it. And so it wasn't until I went to college and realized that like, you know, things that I had been impacted or the things that I had been impacted by in my childhood or in my, you know, foundational time, 
I, I struggled with and I didn't realize that. And so like a lot of college students, you drink and you do all these other things. And then you eventually realize that like, oh, I need to talk to somebody about this. And so then it becomes like a, you know, hey, like go to therapy. And so when Jeremy and I were figuring out if we were gonna like keep this thing long term, we decided that like, you know, we need to go to therapy. And it was at that moment in that, in one of those therapy sessions that I realized I wanted to go and become a therapist. And so I applied to the program and started while I was in therapy. So my first master's I got in Indiana and then got my second one while I was here in North Carolina. Okay, okay. Do you think your school curriculums, the schools that you attended, do you think they appropriately gave you the skill base to navigate this world that we stay in regarding mental health health? Great question. I think um, 10 years ago, I think I think there was a, I was, so I was a high school guidance counselor. And so the track that I was on focused a lot on school curriculum, policy, that kind of thing. Yes. So I think if you're in the school, yes, yes. Um, my last program was very, very theory based and not applicable to what we're experiencing now. And so it wasn't until I had to go into the field to realize I have to make therapy what I need for it to be for my clients or I will fail them. Now, the, the stuff that I learned is very applicable, again, to how I navigate the relationships that I'm in, my colleagues, the professional part of the work, and even passing the exams to become licensed, but not in the face-to-face -face work. No, no. I think, I think, I think, um, KCREP and the programs do a discredit by not actually taking our advice on how to do this work. Right. I agree with you on that. How long have you been practicing? So I've officially been practicing, I think, two and a half years. Um, if you take the full span of my mental health career, it's been about 10 or 11 years. My daughter is 11, so 11 years. Um, but in, in North Carolina, fully, I've been practicing for the last two and a half years. Oh, no, we don't just take into consideration your licensure time. I mean, mental health okay. as, a, as a whole, right. you know what I'm saying? So, let me hear. Okay, so what's up? Because all that encompasses who you are today as a therapist, I'm sure. Absolutely. Not just the Absolutely. last two-year snapshot. That's right. You're right. Thank you for that. Thank you for right. that. Yeah, in the last 11 years, yeah. And what licensures or certifications do you have currently? Yeah, so currently I am a licensed clinical mental health counseling associate here in North Carolina. I am a national board certified counselor. And um, this year I became a certified trauma professional. So I've taken the course to become, you know, trained in like trauma. They didn't want to give me the clinical part because I was an associate, which I think was extra petty. So I can't wait to drop this A and then go back and tell them, uh, y'all played me. So, um, so yeah, so those are the three that I, I stand behind, yeah. Okay, okay. I know you have a private practice under Gilmore Counseling. Congratulations on that. I saw your website, she, your, your niece, I believe, did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> um, how much do you typically charge or do you private, or do you have, do you, are you on any licensure or um, what do they call it, insurance panels or anything? No, so I am a strictly private, private pay practice. Um, I, I work in the community, so I um, contract with the home, my age, so I'm also a clinical coordinator for a mental health agency here in Durham, and that mental health agency partners with one of the local homeless shelters, and so I provide support for them also at a very discounted rate. 
when I realized that those families who may have had some kind of Medicaid or no income, I realized that I wanted to um, wanted to meet people where their budgets were, um, which can sometimes be a discredit, let me be honest. But I am a private pay who offers a sliding scale to most of my clients, mm-hmm. whereas a lot of therapists charge $100 and up, I actually charge $100 and less for services for mm-hmm. both individuals and couples. And so I believe that that meets people's budget, it meets them where they are, and they're able to um, you know, work within their scope so that they can maintain long-term long-term therapy sometimes people charge 125 dollars and that's amazing because we need to eat but sometimes a person can only pay 125 a month and so sometimes what happens between month to month you struggle when you are, are just learning how to develop coping skills and so my clients are able to meet weekly at 75 to 85 dollars and we're able to maintain a longer relationship that way and that works for me at this moment a beautiful thing thank you for that that gift that you give the community as is very much needed especially in the city where we stay at durham north carolina yeah uh, what type of yeah. class do you typically see in therapy yeah so i'm very very excited about this but 95 percent of my clients are african-american i'm super excited about that considering like People, you know, black people don't want to go to therapy. They don't want to talk about it. So I'm really, really excited about that. Um, One thing that I am, um, I see individuals, I see couples, and very, and I see like 18 and up in my private practice. So that is a big part of who I see. Yeah, it's hard with kids during COVID um, because sitting in front of the computer for them already during school and then having to do therapy is really, really difficult. Um, So I see them on um, the mental health agency side, but in my private practice, I see adults because they they like to talk to me more. (laughs) Who's your ideal client? Ooh, that's a great question. Hmm. Does it like you mean as in like 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 what ideal client as in like mental health issue or just overall like yeah, that's one of those like great questions you know you can take it wherever you want to take it yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay okay oh that's a really good question so I think it would be definitely an African American woman um, because I think we carry the world on our shoulders and we need a place to unload that while also developing coping skills to keep managing the world on our shoulders. So I think that would be an ideal client. But I love married couples. And I love married couples because I could tell them to have sex. So <laughs> I really, really like I really like married couples. I do like married couples because you're taking two imperfect people and you're trying to create one union. Um, and so you're able to kind of like pick apart like the things that make and break relationships, but then you're able to take them and like develop, if they're willing to do the work, to develop this really amazing couple to do amazing things if they're willing to do the work. Mm, so I think I wish, those, those would be my two ideal. I wish I knew you 11 years ago. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you know, you sound like you have a lot of skills and you sound like, you know, if, if 
if I wasn't already attached to a therapist, I definitely would want to see you for therapy. What are your strengths and limitations as a therapist? Yes, great question. I think right now the limitations on COVID, let me be honest. I think um, I think the teletherapy, while for some works, I think for others it's difficult. So I'm not gonna lie, I think that's a big thing. I think also a limitation of my own is I don't know, I'm struggling with saying no. Um, because I ironically before we started talking, I was looking at Instagram and I think at one point in my life, even throughout the last two years, I wanted to be an influencer. Um and I don't think I like that. I want to be Ashley. And so a limitation I have is trying to figure out how to be Ashley without all of the, I just want to be, I don't want to be extra, you know, like I want to be me. And I think a limitation of that is seeing, I think sometimes other therapists and especially other black women be influencers and I'm not there. Um, and so I think that could be a limitation. But I think a strength is knowing that like, I don't, I don't want that. I just want to be me and I, I want to be authentically me. And that to me, that's a strength. Um, so I do think another strength is that like I am authentic. And so I think that that appeals to people. And so while I like this is to me, me being genuine about like I don't want to be an influencer, like that's real. And I think people are drawn to that. Um, but I also think that like knowing that like I do have limitations is also like a weakness um last week I was really raw on Facebook um it's social media like that's my thing sadly but I was really raw on Facebook where I said that like you know I woke up in a really hard place you know I'm virtual learning I'm working all day my husband is a director of spiritual care at a hospital and he has his own thing in COVID you know and so trying to navigate all that while being healthy and like doing podcasts and writing notes and trying to figure out what my own life can be like. I got up and I sat down and I just cried for like five minutes and it was heavy. Um, and and in that, I had to realize that like, I gotta say no, I need a break. There's some things that I can't do, some things I can't do and that's okay. And I have to be okay with that. And I think that realness is what draws people and, and even though I think I want this influencer life, that what it looks like, me being honest and authentic is actually the influencer life. So I think those are the strengths and limitations. I think that was a long way around your question. <laughs> no, no, that was perfect. Man, I just, I, really, I think I'm going to have to fire my therapist. I'm really digging what you're saying. <laughs> no, me and you are family. We cannot, yeah, you, I cannot be a therapist. <laughs> damn, damn. I mean, you just sound really... Well, hopefully, I do know some people that's looking for a therapist, and hopefully they get to see this or hear this and, you know, get at you because, I mean, the skill sets, the strengths that you identify, your whole philosophy regarding mental health practice, I mean, you sound like you're really there and that you're really beneficial to the client base. And I'm thankful for you because there's a lot of people here for the wrong reason. and It can't be for the money, so why are they here? You know what I'm saying? I know in some cases, some have told me it was an easier degree because they didn't have to uh, do something, write papers or something crazy. Um, What's the thing? Taking some kind of test, maybe. It was something, oh, I don't know what it was, but they have different reasons on why they chose a, what they call a softer field. But it's not soft in the actual work that we did. It's not soft at all, shit, to be honest. If you did what you're supposed to do in school and you got the skills you needed to do to do the work, the work is in the field, not in the work. Mm-hmm. I found that even though I went to a real good program, 
that the most of the skill base I got regarding the work I do is the CUs and the actual experience afterwards. Right, right. The learning comes after you graduate the program. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's accurate. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. Okay. Where do you see yourself in five years? My husband just asked me this last week. I think I see myself... So I'm I'm struggling between um, getting a doctorate. I don't know if I need one, but I do like the idea of having it. Right? I don't know if I need one. So I don't know if I want a doctorate. Um, I also don't know how full time practice would look. So I work right now for a mental health agency, and then I have my private practice as kind of part time work. But eventually, those two may shift, and so. In five years, I think I see myself having a full-time private practice. Um, I do want interns because I think interns in this area struggle finding appropriate placements. And so I do want to offer a place for interns. I think that's really, really important to me. And so um, I think I want to be a supervisor. I know you're getting your supervisor, um, you know, support. And we have another colleague who's a supervisor. So I think that that's something that I also want to do. So five years, full-time private practice with interns and a supervisor, we, um, the, the S after my name, or, and, completing, getting a doctorate, I don't know, that's still up in the air, we'll see. Dr. Gilmore has a nice ring to it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> One of my friends calls me Dr. Gilmore, he called, I think he calls me Dr. Ashley, so sometimes I'm like, yay, and then I'm like, no, nah, I'm good, I'm good. I mean, so, I was looking at it myself, but, you know, looking at these student loans I got currently, I'm just like, is it another 80 or however many thousand dollars? Yeah. I'm going to really offset my pay or my salary that much. And I did yeah. the math and it didn't. And then, Dr. Yeah. Blue has a real cool name to it. And but does. I've been Blue for so long. I kind of like the ring to that. Right. And sometimes my people just call me and call me Miss Ashley. That's fine. You know, sometimes my clients call me Ashley. That's fine, too. Some people do call me doc. You know, I have to remind them I don't have a doctorate. But, you know, um, but another friend of ours or a colleague of ours said, like, you don't really need the doctorate. Just get the certifications. And as a, she has certifications in sex therapy, and she's one of, like, five black sex therapists. And she has made kind of, like, Oh, that's her. That's a calling out of that, and she has actually gotten more incentive. I'm gonna let you figure out what that means um, from that certification than the actor, actual doctorate. And so again, those are kind of like things that we have to weigh in this field. Like, do I want 16 letters after my name, or do I want you know this this one block of letters that encompasses all of these things? And so that becomes that becomes the question. I do, I'm gonna put this on the record because that means I need to do it. I do wanna be a certified sex therapist. I do wanna do that. Good luck with that. Thank you. <laughs> um, because of your approach to therapy and your approach to your clients, I think you would be very good at addressing those type of concerns. And it's a very much need, you know, I'm a trauma-focused therapist myself and because of the addictions, you know, 80% of people with addictions pretty much has some type of sexual trauma in their background, yeah. Yeah. men and women across the board. Not as much as men, at least they won't, they don't give us the evidence for that because not many men come forward regarding such issues or have shame and stigma attached mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. And we realize this, 
you don't realize this until you broach the subject, but people love to talk about sex. They just don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like we have a barrier to moving forward regarding it, you know. I know in my house, my mama never brought it up, but I knew she was having it, you know what I'm saying? I know when I started having it, my mom didn't make no big deal. She didn't say, I don't remember getting no, no birds and bees talk. I don't remember getting no wear protection talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's ironic, in my neighborhood, nobody talked about it, but we all knew it. So I started, sadly, I started having sex very young. And I remember one of my like neighborhood aunts telling me, oh, your hips friend. And I was like, what's that mean? And she was like, you better watch yourself. You know, like those were the kind of like sex talks that we were having, you know? Um, and, and I mean, I didn't know what my hip spread meant. All I, I knew, I knew what I was doing, <laughs> but like nobody's, you know, nobody was honest about that. So I think even having like these, and I bring it up in a lot of settings because we don't talk about it. But I think being honest about it is really necessary and important because we're, if we're in a generation that's changing what we are used to, then these kind of conversations need to be had on a regular basis. Yes, we're going to bring you back and sometime in the near future, we're going to talk mm-hmm. about the um, fallacies of what goes on in my house stays in my house. Especially as in your work with trauma, you'll probably come across that a lot, in regard, especially regarding Black families. But we don't want to touch that one today as we have limited time and today's topic is about something else entirely. But a few more general questions first. What do you do outside of work that helps you maintain a healthy, well-balanced life? Mm-hmm. I, I kind of know the answer because I'm jealous. <laughs> but I want the world to know. <laughs> so I'm a runner. Um, so I run and work out probably way too much um, very consistently. So I usually work out six to seven days a week. Um, and that becomes like my own kind of time. Um, with COVID and my children being home, it becomes their time too. So we've actually, our family now, we run a weekly 5K. So every Sunday, my husband, my daughters and I will get on the American Tobacco Trail and we'll run a 5K. So that's been really helpful. Um, I, ironically, I see my own therapist. Um, and that has been helpful for me also, not ironically, but that's also been really helpful for me. Um, my supervisor, I, we have supervision bi-weekly, and so I also make that part of my therapy. Um, so those are two big things that I do um, to try to give myself like a healthy balance of like, I talk to somebody and, and outside, or working out and being outside running really helps. I think one of the greatest gifts a therapist can give to their career and to their clients is getting therapy themselves. And I commend you for being open and honest about that. You'd be surprised on how many clinicians shy away from either getting therapy or admitting that they're getting therapy. But to me, I know in my program, we had to get therapy, you know, just to get the experience, to get a feel for it. And to me, just like ongoing supervision after my license, I think that therapy is very important in order to keep balance. Because we put so much on our shoulders, we put so much on our plates, and we don't necessarily have a way to get it out with our husbands or our wives or our girlfriends or our, definitely not with our children. Our friends with support, so some of our friends may not even be in the field or they're in the field and they don't want to hear that shit. Give me that beer. I want to drink that beer instead, you know what I'm saying, or whatever it may be. Which is a, it brings us to our segue. I'm not your superwoman. Black women as a whole have taken on the role of super women in their household since <laughs> slavery. <Yep. laughs> 
Let's talk about the superwoman schema. It's, it's aspects that include feeling obligated to appear strong and suppress emotions, resistance to being vulnerable or independent on others, and determination to succeed and feeling obligated to help others. In many ways, you know what I'm saying, I look at you and I see you as a superwoman. But I think that you know to take off that that cape because you know you, you know balance is key in life. You know what I'm saying, and you have support through your husband and you're through your your professional your natural support network. But typically, I'm sure you have encountered many therapists, many clinicians, people in general that taken on way too much, trying to do too much regarding their role in this life, this the way they navigate life, the way they you know take care of their their life, their career, their, their progress you know, towards their career and even in their own bloodline, their family. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think, um, I, I think what, what we struggle with, um, especially black women is this notion that we have to meet everything to everybody. Um, and for, for since slavery, we have, like, I think there's this, um, you know, shirt or meme that says like, when you want something done, ask the black woman, and then there's another one that's like, um, I, uh, like I'll get it done. And it's just like from a black woman, you know, you think about Olivia Pope and you think about Annalise Keating and, you know, even in fictional characters, like the black woman, superwoman vibe is, is, um, prevalent, but can also be detrimental to our mental health. And I think, um, I think society has done a disservice to black women. We are the highest educated group of people in the world, and we are the most underpaid group of people in the world. And so there's this context of, we, we value black women, but you don't pay us. Black women are intelligent, but we gonna use you as far as we can, you know? And so I think that there's, we have to do a better, and I'm not saying that we don't, but collectively we are starting to do a better job of taking care of us and saying no and being like, no, F it, I'm not going to do it. And y'all, y'all going to manage or so fall through cracks, you know? And I respect that because I think we fight, we fight too hard for others. And I think sometimes others are hard for us. So that, I think that's, that's the complex that we're struggling with. Yeah. Right. Let's go back to the history of this. I mean, in households, Black women typically give their daughters all the skills it takes to navigate an adult life. But then their sons, on the other hand, they don't necessarily give them the skills. They coddle them and they baby them in many ways. And so they get out in this world, they don't know how to necessarily navigate. So they tend to gravitate towards women that manifest what their moms manifested and, you know, not living up to their full potential in some cases mainly the cases that I see on my caseload. Um, and, you know, we see this because women know that, you know, that maybe just looking at their own situation, that their man left or their, their children's father left and went away. And so they have to be that strong person that does it all, work and clean and take care of the family and all that. And that that's that was a woman's role. That's something that she may have seen in her own family with her mother or her grandmother and giving her daughter the same skills because that may be her same reality. What do we call that? We call that... Um, like generational type. Right, right, right. Kinetic learning, Coburn learning, something like that. Yeah, you know, just basically what, what's your, your, your intent 
creates your manifestation, forward manifestation that, you know, we're basically culturally teaching this. And so this is what manifests. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's sad, especially as sad as I look at the, you know, these African-American and brown, black and brown boys regarding their place in the world, you know, looking for mommy figures in women of the same age, slightly younger, slightly older. Um, I run into a lot of clients that I call hobo sexuals that they don't have their own. They live with women for, they go from women to women in order to have housing stability because they don't have the skill base or didn't have the skill base to do it and get it on their own. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. I know yeah. it's such a detrimental term. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's totally real. Um, I don't, and I'm gonna be honest, I don't have, well, I do. I do have a couple black male clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I have not seen mommy issues. I have seen mommy issues in our, my black women, my client, my black women clients. I have that. Um, and I know um, Trap Therapist, she does a kind of a, um, I'm calling a lot of people. She um, kind of has what's called the Coco Conference. And it talks about mom-daughter relationships mm-hmm. and how, you know, and we don't talk about that in the black community. Like we kind of like, you know, many of us have daddy issues, but a lot of us have mommy issues because of the way that this generational kind of learning goes. And it becomes, you know, at some point, like what my grandmother's taught my mother and what my mother taught me, mm-hmm. some of that has to shift in what I'm teaching my daughters, you know? Right. So this whole, I don't need a man and you don't have to marry a man. And no, nah, I love my husband. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep him, you know, and so I'm telling my daughters, now you have a choice. Like that is the com- that's the conversation, you know. Um, and not that my grandmother, you know, not that she wasn't a strong woman and she was very independent. But sometimes her independent, her independence caused her some hurt. And then my mother got married. My stepfather died early. She never remarried. And then here I am when I'm getting married. I've never seen a healthy marriage. And so I'm learning at a very young age because my mother was like, "You don't need a man." My grandmother was like, "You don't need a man." No, I don't need one, but I want him. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So there's a difference in how my grandmother taught my mother, how my mother taught me, and then how I'm raising our daughters to be like, you can, you don't have to, it's your choice, but I'm going to raise you to be who you are without anybody and on your own. And so the conversations become different generationally, and I think that that's work internally that we have to do as Black women. And so we don't talk a lot about the mommy-daughter relationships and how tense they can be. Um, and I think that that has become, um, that's something that probably should have, we should have more conversations about. Not to disrespect our mothers, but to simply say that like, hey, some of the stuff you taught me, um, was it right? Or, you know, like, you know, so th- that also peels off these layers of like disrespect and, you know, all these things. So. Yeah, it's a, it's mommy daughter relationships. I think are way far more complicated than father daughter relationships. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, and I feel you on that. And then you know the way that some women may raise their um, female daughters, they might be too hard on them, and they don't feel like they got enough nurturing and support. So then they don't know how to necessarily give it to their own children. Right. You know Generally, right. generationally impacting that. And yeah, when you don't know exactly. how to love or when you don't know how to receive love, then the love that you accept may not be most beneficial to you in that way, which may come up in some of your sexual, right. That's right. some of your sexual counseling when you get to that as it relates to trauma yeah. focused as well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But we also want to talk about the health impact that, you know, wearing this super cape, being a superwoman. They say that, um, 
number one killer for African-American women is um, heart disease. Yep. You know, I always thought it was like, you know, murder from a black man. But no, it was, it was definitely <laughs> it was definitely heart disease. And that's because they put too much on their plates and don't know how to address life accordingly. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, you know, your mom and your grandmother was like, eh, you don't need no man. What's a man? Man can't do nothing but me, but boop, boop. But, um, and you was like, nah, you know what I'm saying? You, you know, like you said, you don't need, you want. And... I'm pretty sure that, you know, you get the support you need from that relationship. And, you know, it, mm-hmm. it may have, you know, valleys and mountains, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes, yeah. you, know, you know, everything ain't, ain't gonna be perfect. Nothing is. And if we have that expectation of always being hunky-dory, that's when we hurt ourselves the most. I remember I've come into contact with clients and even in my own situation. I remember being told uh, when, I, when I chose you or when we got married, da-da-da, you know, I, I expected happiness. And I say, happiness is not one of those we can't stay here for it ain't gonna be here forever you know what I'm saying and we just have to be we have to realize that you know but the health issues um I work in a holistic clinic which means that we have primary care and mental health and we see a lot of people with women with COPD and a lot of that I believe is due to that superwoman complex mm-hmm. yeah I think a lot of that deals too um with you know not having the time for ourselves i think so often again we tailor to everyone else that we're unable to um, figure out the best way for us to have um, our own support and our own our own space and time um and so i'm gonna take myself in virtual learning this is hard me and you talking about this before we started like but this is very very hard so working full-time and trying to learn like teach somebody when you're not a teacher is a very difficult thing shout out to all the teachers y'all are amazing um but i i am tired (laughs) and i tell my husband like something's gonna have to give so if i'm home with these kids every month i need my own little break i gotta go somewhere i gotta do something so every month starting next weekend i am going away um and with either some friends or by myself i turn in july um actually yeah i started in july i didn't do anything in august but i started in july um but i am taking time for myself and i think black women we have this mom guilt we have guilt that like we can't we can't take a break and we have to be available and around for everybody and that's it it's unhealthy it it can kill us and i think it is killing us to some some degree yeah so i think being taking time away for ourselves can cause us to have like decreased levels of COPD or anything like that. Um, Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. All right. So, in your opinion, you definitely should probably shouldn't try to be superwoman anymore. You know what I'm saying? We're putting too much on our plate. Yeah. And uh, we don't always have to do it by ourselves or on our own. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I want us to really com- recommit ourselves to the village approach. You know, using our friends, using our family, using our supports, and making sure that the right supports, the right family, the right friends in order to have that village of support. And I find that as an individual, even individualized, you know what I'm saying? We, as a, we move further in the future, like 2020 or whatever, you know, we, we encompass ourselves in capsules where it's just us and ours, you know what I'm saying? Our nuclear family. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to pretty much extend that envelope even more, because I think in isolation in that way, we really do more damage to ourselves than good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I agree with you, yeah, you're right. So let's go ahead and we have to close out. But what projects are you working on or plan to work on for the rest of 2020, 2021? 
Oh, before we get to that, did you do the Black Mental Health Symposium this past weekend? I did. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I presented on social media and its implications on racial trauma in African Americans um, and kind of basically talking about how media takes us and like will do anything, you know, basically how social media from yesteryear to yesterday has changed us and how it causes racial trauma, it impedes our journey of wholeness. Um, so seeing a black man getting killed repeatedly on our news feeds is hard for us. But sometimes we share it, we don't know that we see it, and then what that does to our mental health, what that does to this trauma that we're experiencing on a regular basis. Um, so I did that. I think it went really, really well. Um, and I ended with Black women and how we are actually changing the culture of social media. And so um, what you don't realize is that like hashtags get mentions per day. So one in one day, for the most part, Black girl met or um, yeah, I think Black girl magic on Instagram can get over two million hashtag mentions a day. So if you type in, if anybody's watching, type in um, Black girl magic on Instagram, and you will see all of these beautiful Black women just with natural hair, with braids, with relaxers, with blonde hair, with nails, who are working on their bodies, who are trying to uplift, who are influencers they are like that hashtag alone can get up to 2 million mentions a day on Twitter and one day it got 1.1 million um, and so black women again the superwoman complex that we're doing we're saving our culture and trying to make us more positive because the media will take us and do what they can so they will put Dylan Roof and you know um, and, and George Floyd in the same picture and we got a killer who gets Burger King and we get you know, a black man who's a dad and he uh, had a counterfeit $10 bill, so we're gonna kill him. And, and the media will take that and traumatize us. And then it gets repeated over and over again on our social media. It's a hashtag, we're sharing stories, we're trying to heal, but it actually increases our racial trauma. That's so how we talked about how we can debrief, de- de- you know, declutter our um, social media profiles, stay away from it, but also how Black women are trying to change that narrative and aid in, in how Black culture is amazing, it's beautiful, those kind of things. Indeed. So yeah, it was good. It was good. All right. I'm sure it was amazing. Yeah, I wanted to do something for that one, but it went virtual and I couldn't figure out how to do it. Yep. It was, it, it worked, um, but I think that it, it could have been complicated for specific topics. So there's always next year. Yeah, yeah, we we'll probably have the same thing, pandemic two. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for sharing your perspective on today's episode of More Than Therapy. Um, what's some ways that people can get in contact with you? You know, I know GilmoreCounseling.com. Um, do you have a, a, a social media since that was your topic at the, um, yeah, I do. I got some new followers that day. Um, so I bet you, you did. <laughs> yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Get Real with Ash G. Um, and you can like my Facebook page, Gilmore Counseling and Consulting Services PLLC. Um, and either one of those, you can you know get directly in contact with me if you needed to. But that's where I go. That's my social media. Social media. Those are my social media pages. All right. Please leave us with a final word or concept or theory or anecdote or something. Yeah, uh, free game Friday. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do free game Friday. Um, the best way to be yourself is to figure out what you need, who you are, and be authentic in that. Um, once you figure out who you are and what you need, 
then you're able to be authentically yourself and you can maneuver anything in this world because you are truly yourself. So that's my free game Friday. All right. Well, thank you. And yes. that was Ashley Gilmore, MFT, LCMHC, ABCDFGHLIKLMNOP of Gilmore Counseling who helps families, couples, and individuals navigate the stages of their life by providing necessary coping skills for their emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. She provides marital therapy, family therapy, and individual therapy. And you can learn more about her and her services at gilmorecounseling.com. That's G-I-L-M-O-R-E counseling.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the More Than Therapy podcast being featured on all streaming podcast apps. Thank you, be well, and be great.